Go. So what I want to look at, I want to start, is, uh, is chapter, chapter 7 of Kohelet, Perek Zion, which is really a, a, a nice Perek. It's got lots of, it's, it's less morbid, should we call it, than the other, than the other Prakim. So um, I'm hoping that um, they will get quite a lot out of it as we go through it. So it starts off with a, um, with a Pasuk that uh, I remember my Boba used to say to me, Tov Shem Yishem Tov. Right, that uh, tov shame means a. It's better to have a name, mishem and tov, than uh, than to have oil, good oil. So a good name, really, what would you translate on a simple level is a good name is better than uh, than good oil. And we'll understand what what that means, shem and tov. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. So so as I said, this <laughs> is less morbid. But let's try and understand what's going on here. So Rashi says, Rashi says, what does it mean? Tov shame mishem and tov. He says the following. He says, Yafeh la adam shame tov mishem and tov. It's better for a person to have a good name, meaning a good reputation, than, um, than to have uh, these beautiful and precious oils. Right? He says, and also the, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth, and therefore they come together. Now, why is that? So he tries to understand what the, whole, what the whole thing is. And he says, firstly, we have to understand that a good name is, is better than, uh, than Shemin because the thing about oil is that when you put oil into water, we know that it doesn't mix. Okay? Whereas um, other liquids would mix in the water. So what does that even mean? So what he's trying to say is the following. He's saying that when you, uh, uh, having good oil, it, just because a person has wealth, which is really what the oil represents in this case, just because a person has wealth doesn't mean that they're able to mix amongst people, amongst other people. But a person who has a good name, a person who has a good reputation, that name infuses itself into, um, into so many different spaces um, and it stays there. Like we, we know, you know uh, there was a, um, a couple of years ago, I, I've tried to find the link, but I can't find it. There was this, um, this woman who uh, was a graduate of Harvard Business School. She was one of, the, one of the first black women to graduate from Harvard Business School. And she worked herself up coming from Harvard, and she became one of the, one of the big um, names in the stock market on, the, on Wall Street. And she came and she spoke to the Harvard Business School graduates of 2018 or 2017. That's why I can't find it. And she said to them, you're Harvard School graduates. And one thing that you're going to, one thing for sure, is you can get any job in the world you want. You've got an MBA from Harvard. Obviously, that's the best of the best. But nonetheless, she says to him that the problem is that when you, you've got, you've got your, uh, your, your, your work capital that you're going to go into any job that you want, and there are going to be certain expectations that you're going to be able to reach, and you're going to certainly be able to outdo them. Because people will expect one from you, and because you're a Harvard Business School graduate, you'll give them one plus, you know, one and a half. And then the next level, they'll want two and you'll give them two and a half. But there is a certain point where you can't give any more. And then all that you'll have left is your reputational capital, i.e. your relationships. What relationship you have with people is going to be ultimately the thing that you have to work on. And I remember hearing that. And I remember thinking that that's really what it means here. Tov shame shame and tov. No matter how good or, uh, or effective you can be in, uh, in your job, in your life, whatever the case, at the end of the day, it has a limit. There is a limit to the amount that a person can do. But there's no limit, and that's what Chazal say in different places, that there's no limit to the, amount, to, to the, to the level of reputation that a person can, um, 
can have, and because the person can have a reputation which infuses itself into every single different space, so therefore, tov shem yishem and tov, it's much better for the reputation um, than to have all the wealth in the world. Um, we hope that people who are wealthy also build their reputation. So interesting, the guy, I um, can't remember which, but um, I think it's uh, Twitter. I think it's Twitter, the guy who, who, who developed Twitter. So obviously he's a billionaire. But um, when, they, when they did an analysis of who the, who the people are that gave the most um, ratio of their, of their wealth to Tzedakah, um, to different, you know, different charities, so he gave 25% of his wealth. That's an unbelievable amount. So out of the four billion that he's worth, quite a lot, right, he gave a billion. Whereas others are giving like three or four billion, but they're worth hundreds and hundreds of, of billions and millions, whatever the case is. So he has, an, he has the reputation of being a giver, of a real giver because of the level that he gives. So there you see Tov Shem Mishem and Tov, that even though he's got all the money in the world, his real, his real value is the, um, is, the, is the fund that he has that he's able to give out and the name that he has as being an, as, as an incredible philanthropist. So that's, um, that's the one thing. So the... Um, the Rashi then carries on and he says, uh, what does it mean that What does it mean that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's life? And he, he tells us an example. He says the following. He says, when Miriam was born, Miriam, the, the, the sister of Moshe and Aaron, nobody knew who she was or what she would become. Right, and that's the issue. When, we, when, when a child is born, yes, we give them a name and we say that, uh, that we get Ruach HaKodesh and the Ruach HaKodesh enables us to see the potential of the child. But just because the person has potential doesn't mean that they manifest that potential. And Miriam, when she was born, nobody knew what she would be. Meta, but when she passed away, and this was, we learned in last week's parsha, Nistal Ka Be'er, the Be'er, the, um, the well that was... Um, that, 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 that traveled with Am Yisrael all the way in their journeys through the desert, that disappeared. And the minute that disappeared, everybody thought, wow. Like, wow, it must have been because of Miriam. And so to Aaron with the, um, with the clouds of glory, and so Moshe and so to Moshe Baman. So what's interesting is that everybody knew, everybody knew that, that it was because of Miriam that there was the... Um, uh, that there was the well. They knew because of Aaron that there were the clouds. They knew because of Moshe there was the, uh, the, the man. But it was only at the point in time when Miriam passes away, when she dies, when she, when she leaves and the actual well stops producing water, that the people recognize who she really was. And that often happens so much in life is that, uh, that we, we don't know who people really are, what they do, what they get up to, how great they really are. And uh, it's only on, on their death that uh, people reveal that. And we see that with some of, some of the great Gedolim that, uh, um, that, hap- that, that come out. And we see, you know, we know that they're great Torah scholars, but we don't always know what they do in their chesed. Um, and not only Gedolim, people. People do incredible things, um, like extraordinary things, but nobody really knows about them. And that's really the greatness of the extraordinary things that they do. But um, it's only when they pass away that, that people come along and we find out who they are, what they, what they are, and how they do things. Um, and, the, uh, and that's really the reputational um, legacy that a person leaves. The, um, the Rabbeinu Bechaya, in, uh, in understanding this, says something which I think is really, is really such a beautiful idea, and I'd like to share that with you as well. He says the following. He says that the... Um, what, what, what is this whole, the whole concept 
of, of death. What does death do? And he says the following, and I don't want to go into death because I think it's, there's other stuff, but just hear what he says. He says, Mita Taguf, the, the, the death of the body, the death of the physical body, what it does is releases the Chayutanefesh. It releases the life of the, um, of the Neshama inside. And that's why it says that the day of death is greater than the day of life. Why? Because on the day that a person is born, what happens is that they come into this world. And when they come into this world, what happens is that there, is, um, there are restrictions. We are unable to really totally um, feel, the, well, sort of totally engage with the totality of ourselves, of what our real essence is, because we're, we're in a physical body. And because we're in a physical body, then um, we do what we can. And, and the whole purpose of doing what we're trying to do is to try and achieve great things. That's what he says. He says, and it's only when a person passes away that his achievements through his life become visible, appreciated, and irreversible. So as long as we're alive, we can never be sure that we'll, we'll undo any good that, uh, that we may have done. Our sages explain that, and they say the following. Look at Sarah, and this is really why, why I thought it was so important. Look at Sarah. Sarah is, is, is it's interesting that Rashi doesn't quote Sarah as the example, um, but he quotes Miriam, Moshe, and Aaron, but the Rabbeinu Bechaya quotes Sarah. So what's the big thing about Sarah? So if you remember, Sarah was, this, uh, was our first mother, and in the, um, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the parasha of the Akeda, when, um, sorry, after the parasha of the Akeda, in the parasha where, of Chaya Sarah, when um, Abraham sends Elazar to, uh, Eliezer to bring uh, a wife for Yitzchak, he brings this wife for Yitzchak, and he takes this wife for Yitzchak, and uh, Yitzchak goes to, takes her to the tent of Sarah. And what happens in the tent of Sarah, the Midrash tells us that um, the, the light that used to be lit started lighting again and the, and the challah that was there, all the different things that happened when Sarah was alive started happening again. And um, says the Rabbeinu Bechaya that this is exactly what happened, is, is what, what it means, that it's tov yomamavet mitoma miyom that it's better to have been to, to, to die than to be born because he says uh, but, sorry let me just uh, mute that if you don't mind so he says the funny why because we understand with Sarah with Sarah there were that we with, the, her Shabbos candles lit from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos and um, that she, there was always brocha in her, in her challah, in her bread that she baked, va'anan kashur ala oil. And there was always this cloud that was connected. The cloud means, is representing the, 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 the fact that Hashem Shekhinah is vested on her tent. Um, but when she died, that disappeared. And so therefore, it's, we, we, it was only when she died that people really understood the great schut that she had. And it was that schut that, that uh, Yitzchak recognizes when he takes Rivka into her tent and uh, the cloud comes back and there's Brock in the tent and the fact that she lights her candles then also continues from one week to the next. And so therefore, um, we see that, that, uh, that a person's reputation sometimes only is really recognized by the people around them when they pass away. Um, the, uh, the second thing that Rabbeinu Bechai says is that um, is the following. He says that, let's understand what, what, what this all really works, or how this really works. And he says the following. Adam olech mitov el tov, He says a person 
in our lives, we go from one level to the next level and higher and higher and higher as much as we can. He says, the first world is what we call Olam HaYetzira. Olam HaYetzira means the world of, like a, of fundamental creation, which is Choshech, Velo'or. So the Olam HaYetzira is the world of a child in the womb. And that is total darkness. The, the child has no, there's, there's no natural light, obviously, coming into the womb. And we do understand that the, the, um, there's a malach, there's an angel that teaches the child Torah um, in the womb. And that brings a certain level of light. But it's not a natural light that, that a child can be experienced. And therefore, it's called a world of Choshech. Olamazeh, this world, where the child comes out uh, into, into the world, is a world of both Choshech and Or. A world of both... Um, Darkness and light. Because it's a world that, that operates according to two powers, to two luminaries. The one is the sun and the other one is the moon. And so therefore, what those two things represent are what this world is all about. The sun represents the giving of life, the giving of warmth, the giving of, um, of heat to everybody who needs it. Whereas the moon represents this kind of hiddenness, reflected light, reflected light that we need to find the people whose light we can reflect into the world in which we live. And the third world is Olam Haba. And Olam Haba is Kulotov, Shekulo Aruch, Kulo Or. That the, the Olam, uh, um, Olam Haba is a world that is complete light. It's complete goodness. It has no darkness in, in it whatsoever. And he says that is what Kohelet means when he speaks about it in this v- verse. Because he says the following. Tov shame mishem and tov. A good name is better than good oil. And the day of one's death is greater than the day of one's birth. And what does he mean? It's following. Sorry, my kid's screaming there. Just give me one second. I apologize. Sorry about that. So says so says the the Rabbeinu Bachaya. He says the following. What does it mean? He says that this this the the world which is uh, is is. Uh, is this world is great in this world because we can create schut. We can create incredible amount of merit for ourselves. Mishementov, which is greater than the things that the merit, the reputation that we create for ourselves in this world is greater than any of the physical things that we can create in this world. And that's something that we always need to understand. That at the end of the day, when we pass on, what is the legacy that we leave? And the legacy that we leave must be the, the, the shame tov. Okay. Let's carry on to the next um, to the next pasuk. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me let me. There's one more thing that we need to look at. So the uh, the Ben Yehoyada, the Ben Yehoyada, um, wants to understand. He says uh, the following: that why what the the there's a strange um, a strange statement that is made in the, in the Gemara. But the Gemara is describing what are we supposed to have in our, in our Erev Shabbos world? What are we supposed to be doing? And I've said numerous times that uh, Rav Soloveitchik spoke about the, uh, everybody gets covered for Shabbos, but he spoke about the, the Erev Shabbos Jew. 
And that's really what we've got to strive to do. You know, when you, when you go shopping for Shabbos, you should say, Lichvot Shabbos Kodesh, that what we're buying and what we're doing is for Shabbos so that we, we infuse even our weekdays with a, with a, with a depth of Shabbos. But what uh, we understand that um, we're supposed to be doing certain things on, on, on Erev Shabbos to achieve a certain sense of, um, of Shabbos thickness. <laughs> what else to say, right? Of, of, of our homes when we come into Shabbos. And we know that the Gomorrah tells us this beautiful concept that um, on an Erev Shabbos, when you come home from Shul, we are accompanied by these two angels. And these two angels, one of them, and I don't know how, what this means, but one of them is a, is a Malach Tov, and the other one is a Malach Ra. One is a good angel, one is a bad angel. And we come into our, into the, into our home, and the Torah then says, Uchasheb, sorry, and the Gomorrah says, Uchasheb when a person comes into their home, and they find a candle lit, and the table set, and the house all nice and clean and ordered and everything in, in, its, uh, in its right place, then the good angel will say to the bad angel, it should be like this next week. And the bad angel has to say, Amen. But if it's the opposite way around, and you have that, uh, you don't have these things all set up. So then the bad angel will say to the good angel, it should be like this next week. And the good angel will say, Amen. And so therefore it creates the cycle of, uh, of uh, either great positivity from one Shabbos to the next, or Chasva Khalila, a certain level of negativity. But comes the Ben Yohayada, and the Ben Yohayada says the following. Why is it that you have these three things? You have the candle being a light, the table being set and the, the house or the bed being all nice and orderly. And he says the following. Um, if you remember, we spoke last week. It was quite amazing that he brings us in now. He says, if we spoke last week about the fact that if a person is unable to see their food, if you, we don't have the, 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 the presence of the food, so then what happens is that you don't get as much sphere, don't get as much um, uh, sustenance or you don't get as much pleasure from the food. So he says... You know, that eating in the darkness doesn't give us a level of satiation. As we said, because a blind person doesn't get complete satiation because he can't see. And that is what it means when, the, when it says that you come into the home and you see a nerdaluk, when you see that the, um, the, the candle is lit. The candle then illuminates the Shulchan Aruch. It illuminates the table. And the table is now set. And since a person is able then to see what they're eating, so therefore the Shabbos meal gives us, besides the fact that we eat too much, but the Shabbos meal gives us a certain level of satiation. And then, he says, and then, then you have, then you have strength, then you have a, a physical strength, you've eaten well, you're ready to go, and you can engage with your family in the, in the, in the totally um, appropriate way as you need to do because you've been, you've given, you've had all of the things. And so therefore, he says, and that's what it means when it says, tov shame, when it says shame in our possible, tov shame, shame is roshay tevot, shabbat menucha. The Shabbos of rest. Or it could be the Rosh Hashanah of Shabbos Malchusa or the Shabbos Queen. Now the Shabbos Manucha and Shabbos Malchusa are two different approaches to Shabbos. And let's try and understand them. Shabbos Manucha means it's a space in which I go into Shabbos to have a spiritual rest. Where do I get the spiritual rest? From moving away 
from the, the physicality of, uh, of creative activity, I'm able to engage in the spiritual rest of Shabbos. How do I do that? I do that by engaging with my family. I do that by, by eating sh- food, which is Shabbos dick, and by learning Torah. That's what I do. But then there's also the, the space of Shabbos, which is Shabbos Malchuser. Shabbos Malchuser means the Shabbos queen. What does it mean, the Shabbos queen? The Shabbos queen is this idea of that... Um, Whilst I understand I need to get a bit of a rest and I need to engage with my family, the Shabbos queen, there's nothing in the world that, is, that one can compare to as the preparation we make for important visitors. So, you know, if, if it's a, a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, a, uh, some, you know, a special meal, whatever the case, we really go and we engage in preparation and we prepare ourselves and we prepare our tables, we prepare our families for the arrival of this visitor. And that's the Shabbos queen. It's not just me engaging in menucha, me engaging in rest, but rather me ensuring that everything is well prepared before in order that when that visitor comes, I don't have to worry about anything. I can be totally focused on that. And that's really what Shabbos Malchusa is, is my focus on the Shabbos queen to ensure that the Shabbos queen is, uh, is met in the appropriate way. And then it says, so he said, Tov shame, that shame, which is Shabbos Menucha and Shabbos Malchusa, is better, Mishemen Tov, from, um, from good oil. What, what is Shemen Tov? So Shemen is the following. He says, these are these three things that we spoke, we spoke about earlier. Shemen is um, the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch, the, the Mitah, the bed, and the Nun is the Ner. So Tov Shem, so our approach to Shabbos, in what, how we want our Shabbos to be, a Shabbos Menucha or a Shabbos Malchusa, is greater even than the fact that when these angels arrive in our homes, they will see a Ner Daluk, which is the, the Nun of Shemen, the, the, the Shulchan Aruch, which is the Shin of Shemen, and the Mitato Mutzad, which is the Mem, uh, which is the mem of Shemen, that it's much greater, our approach to Shabbos, than actually the physical representation of the Shabbos. Because it's in our approach to Shabbos that, our, that Shabbos is able to infuse us with a, with a complete, um, with a, with a complete um, uh, brocha in that what Shabbos is. And that's why he says, uh, it says that uh, in Kohelet, later on we'll learn, it says, it speaks about Shemen al-Roshka, that the concept of Shemen, uh, of oil, which is the same Shemen that it speaks about here, will come onto your head. That is Shabbos. Why? Because Shabbos is the Rosh. Because sh- why is Shabbos the Rosh, which is the head, which is the main thing, which is the, the fundamental thing that we should be having in our consciousness all the time, because everything revolves around Shabbos. Because Shabbos is our concept of belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shabbos is our concept of the understanding that there is a co- the idea of histakut, which means enoughness. Shabbos is this thing that should infuse our whole week. What is the Rosh? Why is that? Because you look at the word Rosh, which is Resh, Aleph, Shin. Shabbos are the, are the letters next to that. So the, uh, the letter after Resh is a Shin. The letter after Aleph is a bet, and the red letter after Shin is a Taf, and that makes Shabbos. So Rosh and Taf and Shabbos come together. The head is Shabbos. Ultimately, it is the main thing that should guide the way we live our lives, guide the way we, um, the, the, the way we think about things. And really, I think that, that's, that sometimes we, we forget about that. I had a chat with somebody this morning who was telling me that um, he, um, he's battling with moving out of the, the Gashmi world now that we're in lockdown. 
because the because there are no boundaries, because you don't have go from one space to another, everything is in the space where you do things. So so he's davening in his office at home, and he's working in his office at home, and he's learning in his office at home. So everything's about his office at home, and because everything's about his office at home, so there's always this uh, this this uh, um, this work pressure on him in his office at home, and. Um, and I thought about that a lot, and I, I thought that I think that that's our thing, is that when even in our work offices at home, even in our spaces of work, what we forget about is what Shabbos is supposed to infuse us with. And what Shabbos is supposed to infuse us with is this one thing, if more than anything else, and that is, is this emunah in the fact that Hashem is the Creator. What does it mean if Hashem is the Creator? That the whole world exists because of Him. And if the whole world exists because of Him, every single aspect of the life in which I live should be seen in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that He's giving us what I need. And if, if that's the case, then I should be able to connect to the Ruchnius, to the spirituality of Hashem, even in the most Gashmi times, even in the most physical, physical of times. Okay, then um, we've got a few more minutes, so let's get going. So says uh, Kohelet in at Zion now Amud Bet so Pasuk uh, Bet uh, so that's uh, chapter seven verse two. Tov lalechet el Beit Avel, milechet el Beit Mishte. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a party to a uh, to a celebration. Because that is ultimately the end of all pers- all people. And the living should take it to heart. Very often, I think, what uh, on, on a very simple level, what Kohelet is saying is that we don't um, we don't always think about the consequences of our actions, of the things that we do, and where we're actually going to be. Um, I don't mean to be morbid, but. Um, um, that is ultimately what he's saying, but Rashi takes it in an interesting space. He says the following. He says that the purpose of going to a house of mourning, better than a house of feasting to a party, is that in a house of mourning, there is, there is conduct that befits both the living and the dead, whereas in when you go to a house of feasting, it's only a, a conduct that, um, that befits only the living. Now, what does he mean by that? He says, because you need to understand that um, when you go into a, a house of mourning, mourning is ultimately the end of every person. And everybody's going to reach that point. A person who's alive should focus on that, that space. Why? Because whatever chesed I do for the person who has passed away, it's Tarek Hanishig Maluli Bemoti. I need to understand that whatever I do for the person who's passed away will ultimately be needed for me. Um, whatever, that may, whatever that may be, be it a eulogy, be it assistance, whatever the case is, and since I will need that, I should do that for him as well. And I think that what, what Rashi is really pointing out is that, um, is that we need to be aware of the fact that when people are in need, right, the, uh, the, the Kliyachar says that there's this thing called the Galgal Achayim. It's the circle of life. And that when people are in need, we should try and help them as much as we can. Why? Because somewhere along this Galgal Achayim, not my life, might not be mine, might be my children, my grandchildren, my grandchildren's grandchildren. Somewhere along this, along this point, there may be a need that they will have. And if I have executed on the need that others have had, then, then someone will execute on the need of my, of my children. And that's really what it's all about, is 
rather go to a house of mourning than to go to a party because at a party, what do we do? It's all about me. It's all about me get, having, be, having being uh, happy and joyful. Whereas when we go to a house of mourning, the opportunity is there to assist others, be it uh, the mourners, be it the person who's passed away. And that's really what we have to search for is opportunity to help others. The Piasetzna Rebbe, um, the prominent Kalman of Piasetzna, whose, um, whose yacht site was this week, um, is quoted by Rav Shlomo Kalabach. And Rav Shlomo Kalabach tells us about him. He was an amazing man. Um, because he was, he was the, the Rebbe of the orphaned children in the Warsaw Ghetto. Um, somehow the children all flocked to him and he loved the children. He always you know, tried to give them a certain uh, level of emunah and bitachon. And one of the things um, that uh, it's told about him is that whenever he started a drosha, no matter what his drosha was, he would start and he would say, children, remember one thing. And the most important thing in the world is to do somebody else a favor. Um, in other words, what he's saying is the most important thing in the world is to find, is to find the, uh, the need of the other person before you find your need for yourself. And that, I think, is such an important thing for all of us, especially during this, these difficult times, is to find the needs of others so that we can inspire them, that we can help them, we can feed them, whatever the things that we can do. Um, it's not an easy time for, any, for anybody. Um, Rashi takes another explanation and he says that um, one of the things we need to know is that if a person doesn't um, show kindness to a person who has passed away, and that's why we have a concept of leviatamate, of, of escorting the person who's passed away, and we know that the ultimate chesed shal emet is assisting a dead a person who's passed away, right? He says to him that. Um, if you don't do that there and then, I was very much, my mother actually was talking to me about it yesterday, this concept of seize the day. You know, we've got to seize the day. We've got to make sure that when we have the opportunity, we've got to do the opportunity. So a person who's passed away, you've got to seize the day and do what you can for them. So Rashi says, but if you go to a, to a, to a party, if you're invited, let's say, to a party, a person is invited to go to, to celebrate with people, but if for whatever reason he doesn't go, why? Because he'll say, you know what? You know what? Because maybe you'll have another child and I'll celebrate with you there. Or you'll have a, a wedding and I'll come to you there. And what he's, and Rashi is saying it's better to go to a place where you know that if you don't do the, the, the deed there and then, the good deed there and then, um, you'll miss the opportunity. As opposed to a, uh, a midah which is so contrary to everything in Torah, and that is uh, procrastination. If we procrastinate, we will never achieve anything in our Torah world, and that is exactly what, um, what, what Chazal say, mitzvah ba'aliyat ha'altim tit... Oh my God. Don't allow a mitzvah that comes to you, to, to, to you an opportunity. Don't allow it to become like chometzik. Don't allow it to, to become something which it shouldn't be, but rather take the mitzvah and do the mitzvah um, as, as much as you can. Because if you don't do chesed for the person now, you won't have the opportunity. And that's really what it means. Um, when we say, if we don't do the thing that we can do now, then we'll never be able to do it at another point in time. And so that's really what I wanted to share with you, is that, 
is, is, those, is those ideas, beautiful ideas on Shabbos, what Shabbos is, what Shabbos should be, how we should approach to that, and also the idea that procrastination, my mom taught me, I know she's here, so I'm trying to give her a bit of nachas here, that I did learn the lessons that she taught me, but procrastination is the thief of time, but it's not only that, it's the thief of growth. If we don't, if we don't take the opportunities to go to, to, to the spaces where we can do good, then we will actually find that we won't be able to do them. So I wish everybody a beautiful Shabbos. Please God, it should be filled with, with warmth and with, uh, with care. And please be careful because uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult time for all of us. God bless. Have a beautiful Shabbos, everybody. Thank you, Rob. Good Shabbos, everyone. Shabbos, everyone. Shabbos, uh, Thank you, Eva.